Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And today I am talking to Liz Gumbiner, who is a writer, award-winning ad agency creative director, and mom of teens. But online, she's best known as the publisher of coolmompics.com, the author of the OG mom blog, Mom 101, and the co-host of the podcast Spawned with Kristen and Liz. Her substack, I'm Walking Here, looks at media, politics, and culture through a witty parenting lens. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Margaret. I'm so <laughs> glad to be doing this. You could tell by our tone of voice that we know each other in real life. We go way back, and you truly are an OG. A lot of our listeners are youths, and they are almost post the original blog era. But you and I were both blogging in the days. I mean, what are we talking about? Is that the like 2010s kind of? The mid-aughts. Yes. My oldest is now 17 and a half. And I started when she was a half. So that would mean some of your listeners were in middle school, which makes me feel awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's okay. Our listeners know that we're oldie locks and they're totally fine with that. And so today we're going to talk about ditching the hustle. And I think my first question about ditching the hustle, by ditching the hustle, we basically mean like getting out of the kind of like, oh, we've got to be doing more and go, go, go and move, move, move. Is the whole idea of hustle a new concept? I do think in like the many things that my mother worried about while raising her kids in the 70s, rising and grinding was not on that list. No rising, no grinding. Well, here's the thing. I do think that mothers have always had this built-in hustle imperative. We just called it other things, right? The juggle, multitasking, doing it all, quote unquote, right? Like I think there's since probably going back to, you know, the first wave feminists, we were kind of expected to do many things. And so generally those many things included working, raising kids and hopefully having a healthy relationship with your significant other, your friends, your family. But I feel like that's just changed 
in a way since social media in particular, where there's so many incredible opportunities for mom. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about the original bloggers is we created an industry out of nothing. I mean, now it's become influencers and social media stars and TikTokers and all that. But really, it was an opportunity for moms to stay home, take care of their kids and find a way to make a living, which was wonderful. But I feel like now... Social media isn't just connecting with friends and family. You're supposed to monetize it and you should share your stuff all the time because that could lead to a book deal or that could lead to a sponsorship or that could maybe Swiffer will send you some free products and you can write about that. And so suddenly everything in our life seems like it's supposed to work towards some higher goal of monetizing, being famous, doing more, making more, having more. And I'm finding it exhausting. I think it's really interesting because I've had this conversation with my mom, my aunts, people of, and I will say we have kind of long generations in my family. So I'm talking about people who were born in like the 1930s. And they're talking about the idea that in some ways they had very limited choices, right? You could either, you basically like went to college, maybe, or you married your high school boyfriend. And then you, or if you didn't get married right out of high school or college, you worked as a teacher or a secretary or a cleaning person or a nurse or a nurse yeah. until you met somebody. And then that person started paying the bills and you stayed home and that there were tremendous limits to those choices. But I've also heard women of that generation express a little bit like it seems exhausting what you all are up to that like the fact that we have such a wide range of choices for what's available to us, A, wonderful, but B, kind of stressful, because I think that's right. It adds on. I think that for my mom's generation, which is a generation probably before first wave feminism, the idea is like your job is to be home and raise these kids and have a dinner on the table and look nice and keep a nice home which is depressing because you're dying inside. But there wasn't also (laughs) on top of it the idea of like, and by the way, you should be also somehow running this company and making your mark on history. And, you know, it's tough. Exactly. Well, I think that's the one thing that hasn't changed. Like the mental load, which Eve Rodsky talks about beautifully in her book, and so many people are writing about these days, has always fallen on moms. I think the difference, as you're saying, is we're working now. And then on top of it, we're supposed to have a hustle, a side project, a passion project that then becomes something bigger. And I think it's noble in a way. I think a lot of us don't want to completely lose ourselves, literally ourselves in motherhood to where what else is there? We're only defined by our parenting. On the other hand, I think the balance thing is still completely off. And there's just enormous societal pressure to do more, feel more out of each day, read hundreds of books, you know, like have a great social life, find time to do everything for your kids. Like there's just so much I think we're expected to do that I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to feel guilty anymore for binge watching an entire season of anything on Netflix in one weekend. (laughs) Like if that's what I want to do, that's an accomplishment. That's Maybe I didn't read 30 books this weekend. Maybe I watched all of the House of the Dragon twice. That's okay. I'm living with that. I'm owning it and I'm feeling good about it. That's my 2023 resolution. I think, and I like that, and I think it's right that finding joy within this picture of all these things we could be doing is very, very important. I also think, and we are at a similar 
phase of child rearing. I still have one 10 year old, so I still have a little-ish kid in the game. But that for a lot of my peers at this phase where the kids are getting out of elementary school, basically, let's call it, and they're going to full day school and then often have activities after school, that we're kind of at this doorway of what the heck is next? Now, I had started having kids in my late 30s, and so I'm very much midlife as I'm entering that phase. I'm high-fiving you. Later in life moms, high-risk OBs. Yes, later in life moms. But for I have sisters-in-law who started having kids in their very early 20s, and they're starting facing this in their early 30s. But whatever age you're doing it at, I think This idea of like, is this a second act now or a third act? Is this a new chapter that we're opening up and I'm going to find new opportunities or new hustles, as the case may be, or like, what's next? What's it all about? So I think in some ways, like, I like the idea of like, well, just enjoy your time with your kids and relax and let go of all the hustle. But I also think there's a worry that you get to this point that we find ourselves at of like, But now the kids are kind of out and now I'm going to probably live if my life expectancy holds up like either, you know, for some people 50, for some people, you know, 30 or 40 more years. What now if I haven't been in the hustle? Is that a problem? Well, I think what now is a great question to ask yourself. What's next is a wonderful question. And I don't think we should find the pressure in that. I think we should find the opportunity and the joy in that. And I do think, as you're saying, it comes up at certain times when your kids probably hit full-time school at kindergarten. I see it again. I saw it when my kids went to middle school, where suddenly all these parents in New York City are like, oh, I don't even have to take them on the subway to go to school anymore. They can do it themselves. I have a whole day free. What do I do with that? So I think there are certain points in as a parent that you ask what's next, or am I happy now? Is this sparking joy? Where do I go from here? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think about an old creative director boss I had years ago who said, you know, always think of your career in six month increments. If you're not happy in six months, do something else or move on or find a different job. And it takes the pressure off of thinking, what's my forever move? And so I like that. And I I don't think that's just about jobs or working. I think it's also what do we do with our time? What do we do for fun? Where do we put our energy? Because it's limited. Our time and energy are limited. And so I think for me, the challenge with the word hustle, what's your hustle, is it indicates some sort of fast moving, you know, I think of like the disco dance, in the 70s, like you're always moving. And it doesn't have to be that. Back in my day, Aldi locks alert people, there used to be a dance called the hustle. Yes, yes. You look it up on uh, the Google, you'll, you'll find funny gifts. And I think that it's kind of nice to think about what's next for me, but not in terms of a hustle or something I have to monetize or that every hobby has to be next level. Not everything in life is a competitive sport. And so I want to ask what's next without thinking about it in terms of either a job, a career, monetization. Like, what do I want to be doing with my time that makes me feel good? That makes me feel fulfilled? How do I give back? Do I want to do more with my community? Do I want to return more calls to friends? I think there's a wide way to answer what do I want to be doing with my time that isn't always about hustle culture. Mm. All right. I want to drill down on that point. We're talking to Liz Governor, and we will be right back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So I think that this idea of not everything has to be monetizable, not everything has to be rewards-based. We just were talking to Dr. Amber Thornton on the podcast about this kind of elusive idea of balance. And we were saying, like, what is the problem with this idea of balance? And it's that it seems to involve a scale and constantly, like, tick, 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 moving stuff around and that it seems like a lot of work, another to-do to find balance. And that her idea of balance is based very much in doing things for their own sake, basically, that finding time for yourself is not necessarily because then you will be happier, that there is a reward in finding time for yourself just to find time for yourself, not and then it's not an if then computer equation, like you put something in and it spits out something else. And I think that the hustle mentality hurts us in this same way, which is if I'm good at making cupcakes, I could open a bake shop or an Etsy shop or I could do something with cupcakes that is important versus I just am a person who likes to bake cupcakes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think back a lot to Gretchen Rubin's first book, The Happiness Project. And there was something, there were a few things, but one thing really stuck with me. And I think about it all the time where she said, I felt for so long that I was supposed to be reading certain kinds of books because I'm an adult and I should read nonfiction and biographies and historical fiction. And, and she realized what she really loved was YA. 
And she said, why can't I read YA? Why, I love the Wizard of Oz books. And I thought, oh, I always loved the Wizard of Oz books. And you know what? I went back and I read them and I enjoyed them. And that made me happy. And that was enough. Like, I didn't have to go on Instagram and talk about like, look what wonderful, incredible authors I'm reading and supporting. Like, it was okay that I just read something that made me happy. Well, we were talking about this when I was on your podcast, because I was saying that I had had a goal for a long time to read more. And I found it was on my, you know, New Year's resolution list every year, read more, read more. And I'm like, okay, something is wrong here because this is on my list every year and I'm never doing it. And we were talking when I was on your podcast that I finally realized that I used to love big, dark, tough novels like Jonathan Franzen is my idea of like a great book. Very big, very large book. When I had young kids and a lot of anxiety and a lot on my mind all the time, I found that I could no longer engage with that kind of fiction. Like, okay, I got enough problems of my own, Jonathan Franzen. I don't need to read, you know, <laughs> 900 pages about this family in Iowa's problems. And that once I gave myself permission to stop only reading quote unquote good books and start reading like the lady on the train next door out the window where like the lady sees a murder and then she figures it out or as our listeners know, I got really into the elf sex book series, The Court of Thorn and Roses. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm covering the title. Elf sex is really an underrated genre. Let me tell you, it's like 3000 pages of elf sex. <laughs> These elves are living in this world and they're all in love. They're good books. They're incredible page turners. And it brought me back to reading. And what's interesting, we say all the time on the podcast, watch your story. My story was like, reading is only reading Jonathan Franzen or like really hardcore biographies. There you go. So you had to reset what that meant. And it's interesting you brought that up as your resolution because I'm, well, I told you I'd started a new Substack this year in part. And by the way, I'm not charging for it yet in part because I didn't want it to be a hustle. I love writing and I just said, I'm going to write for the sake of writing again and not because I have to monetize it. I mean, it's <laughs> sure. <I'll get> there. <laughs> you know, we should get paid for our work as writers. One of the pieces I wrote, it's a, well, my, first of all, my subject is called I'm walking here because the whole point is, you know, people tell you to pick a lane when you're a mom. And I'm like, I don't have to pick a lane. This is all my lane. If I'm walking here, it's my lane. So I wrote a post called 648 words about my one word resolution that really, I think, struck a nerve with a lot of people. And I just wrote about how we, for some reason in this culture, we expect that the calendar flips over and all of a sudden we're completely new people. <laughs> we're going to read books. We're going to clean our kitchens. We're going to make healthy, nutritious meals. We're not going to order in sushi so much. We're going to do all these incredible things that we think we should be doing in the world. And it doesn't happen. And then we beat ourselves up and we think, oh, I can't keep a promise. You know, we spiral to varying degrees. And so my word of the year was acceptance because I want to accept that I like reading YA or I like watching Netflix for fun or I want to write for fun and maybe I don't have to chuck my, you know, how much money I make from it if it's something I do on the side for fun. In fact, one thing I did this week, I turned off my like counts on Instagram. I decided I want to look at it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The joy for me is the conversations and the community and liking other people's things because I like them, not because I, you know, I'm in some group of 400,000 people that's supposed to like that thing. And so I decided that it's just going to be about acceptance and doing more things that give me joy and taking away the part that doesn't give me joy. And 
I think it's as we always say, ages and stages, like as an ages and stages conversation, I'm thinking back to being home with little kids. I had had a career as a writer in Hollywood and never super successful, but like I was doing it. I had an agent. I was getting jobs. And then I was home with kids. My agent dropped me. I mean, I was like, went from being like a very minor player, like on the very slow lane of the freeway to like 900 miles off the freeway with like, I couldn't even see the freeway with binoculars anymore. (laughs) And I was thinking in terms of this conversation, is that time with young kids where you're really like, you're kind of just getting through the days. I'm imagining someone maybe who is either working outside the home at that time or staying at home with kids Is it a respite time from the hustle? Like, I definitely kind of felt a little bit like, okay, I'm nowhere near the highway. So I'm going to kind of sometimes try to see the highway in the distance and slightly envy those people, but also feel kind of good that I'm not having to think about it. And then does that door reopen at our phase where it's like, uh oh, the kids are out now. I got to try to find the highway again. But don't you think to some degree that the parenting itself is presented as a hustle? Like how many craft projects are you doing with your kids? Did you do the most special Valentine's cards for the classroom? What kind of cupcakes did you bring in for your kids' birthdays? And, you know, like, I feel like there's a hustle to parenting that's also kind of expected these days. And I just, I would like us to remove some of that, you know, like no kid has ever grown up and gone into therapy because you didn't do the homemade cupcakes in kindergarten. That's never happened. Is it social media? I guess it's not really social media because even back in the day, you were keeping up with the Joneses. Like the other kids down the street were dressed better and they had matching bows in their hair. Like, I guess there is something just very inherent in us as social creatures that says someone is doing this better than us. And there's some way to figure that out. Yeah. And it's your kids. I mean, who doesn't want to be the best parent they can be? We all want that. And I think sometimes that intention is good, but misplaced. And maybe we put it in the wrong places or we, you know, kind of mistake the nice to do's for the must do's. And so I think, you know, that pressure has always been there, whether it's seeing what the other class parents are doing in the nursery school class, or, you know, I do think that social media brings a lot of false perfection and filtered life to light and it's in your feed and you're seeing it all the time. And you have to be like pretty stone cold to scroll through the people who seem to have kids that always have like clean noses and their clothes match and they look terrific and their rooms are clean and not think, "Mm, maybe I should be doing more of that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's it. That like, there's nothing really wrong with hustling for stuff that you want. Like you have to, it's great to have ambition. It's great to have goals. It's great to have somewhere that you're going. But I guess the problem that we're identifying with, you know, hustle culture and why to ditch it is that it can feel whether it's like travel soccer or, oh my God, my kid needs to get into this specific kind of school or, oh my God, my kid needs to look this very specific way that other people's kids seem to look and act that you end up on kind of a race to nowhere if that becomes your internal story. Yeah. I mean, I love that, especially because your listeners tend to have younger kids. 
I would love if as a culture of parents, we could nip this in the bud early, because let me tell you, by eighth grade, ninth grade, suddenly parents are like, well, what are your kids doing for their internships? Well, mine is on the Ivy track. And what are they going to do with the summer? What do you mean you're letting your kid go to summer camp? You know, shouldn't they be volunteering and cancer research so that they'll have better extracurriculars? Like it heightens. And so I think you've kind of, you've got to tap into your inner type B mom in the right places at the right time so that you can figure out what's important, what's worth the hustle and where to let go so that we can just have more happiness in our lives. And not everything has to be go, 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 win, 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 win. Like it's not, no one wins at parenting. (laughs) We just are all kind of doing the best we can. No one wins at parenting. So, all right, we understand now why hustling is a problem. We're talking to Liz Gumbiner and we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about some solutions to this. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. This reminds me, who is the person, maybe it's everybody, who talks about juggling like glass balls and rubber balls? Have you heard that metaphor? Yes. It's the idea that like, right, some can drop and they bounce and some, if you drop them, they're going to break. 
And so I think one cornerstone to getting out of this kind of race to nowhere, whether it's about where your kid is going to go to college or whether or not your kid is, you know, the best lacrosse player on the travel lacrosse team or whatever it is, or whether or not you're turning your famous cookie recipe into the biggest Instagram cookie account on the country, whatever it is. I don't even know what that would look like. I don't obviously don't use Instagram that much. I don't know. Um, Or your cute dog. Like maybe he doesn't actually have to be a celebrity on Facebook. Like he could just be a cute dog. There you go. Is the key, I think probably the key to getting out of this mindset is to pause and actually kind of name your priorities, like figure out what's actually important to you. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I always think of my own mom's advice, who she just turned 80. She's brilliant. She said to me for years and years, and now she says it to my kids. When somebody's upset about something, she says, will this matter in five years? Will this matter in 10 years? And it's very basic. And it's something I wrote about this week on Substack as well. But it's such helpful advice when we're panicking about, you know, our microphones are not working in time for the podcast or, oh no, our kid dropped out of soccer because they really like ballet, but I would love them to do soccer because that's what their dad did or whatever. Will this matter in five years? And that for me always helps me keep it in perspective. Yeah. I think also, you know, I'm an anxious person or as many moms are. And I think that the churning of anxiety sometimes becomes this engine that is running you in a way that is very unhelpful. And I used to work back in the day. I used to, I bartended at waited tables a lot and I used to work at a restaurant and there's an expediter, the guy who pulls the food out of the kitchen and hands it to the waiters. If you've never worked in a restaurant, you got to tip out your expediters. They're very important. Got to tip out the expediter. But I would go back and be like, did that table 10 cheeseburger is missing and everyone else has their food. And he would always say to me, his name was Joey. He would be like, listen, We don't have a heart in a box around here. Nobody's (laughs) waiting for it. It's a cheeseburger. And like, I think of that all. I mean, Joey is like basically my muse for my whole life that sometimes I get myself right. Like, but this isn't right. And we're this and just the problem. The kid doesn't have the shoes and it's this. And I just sometimes try to channel my inner Joey and be like, this is not a heart in the box situation. Like, this is not if the helicopter does land, the patient is going to code. I love that. To go back to that point about, you know, will this matter in five years? I think that's the other reason that we need to take care of ourselves and do the things that make us happy. And it can't be all about the kids. And so it's important to find the things that make you happy that you do after the kids go to bed or that maybe you do with the kids because it's fun for you also, not just for them. And you got to figure out who you are and what gives you joy so that you have something else. But on the other hand, it doesn't have to be a hustle. It doesn't have to be the world's biggest Instagram cookie account, right? You can make jewelry for fun and not even show it to anyone on social media. You can just do it because you enjoy it. You can like just do what you like. Like I think that's so basic and we forget that a lot. Like we can just do things because they're enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy what a like profound point that is, because it seems so obvious. And one thing that I have gotten out of the habit of doing, and I was quite guilty, I think also because my kids were just so adorable to me when they were little. I definitely was a person who was I've never I'm not an Instagram person. I'm not an Instagram. But even on Facebook, I'd be like, Oh, my God, look at this. You know, if we were at the 
dock, I would get a picture of the four kids like jumping off into the sunset and put it and I'd be like, that's the picture. And I like taking pictures and it, you know, fine. There's nothing horrible about this. But I have sort of consciously broken myself of that habit just a little bit of like, it's just an evening at the dock watching the kids jump in and that's enough. It's like not filming the play on your iPhone, just watching the play and like breaking that cycle for myself a little bit of taking the phone out of the way I see the world has been really useful for me in this way. I agree. And I think, listen, many of us share our lives, our families, our stories on social media. And I will always support that and advocate for that because I think it helps moms create community, especially when they may not have one in real life. I think online friends are real friends. There's a whole lot of reasons that I see the value in moms in particular telling our truths and telling our stories and connecting with others around that. But I think that if we live life always thinking, how am I going to tell this story later? How am I going to share this with the world? We're not in the moment. And we're not present. And that's something I'm still working on. Because I'm a writer, I'm a memoirist. And so I can't help but always think, how would I tell this story later? (laughs) But to just, you know, have a night with the kids where we all go out and I realize no one took out their phone once. We never took a single picture. And you go, I don't even have pictures of that night. I was just so present. That's a kind of exciting and unusual place to be these days. And I really, I recommend it once in a while. And I say that without scolding because I always have, I literally have my phone. I will show you. Like it's on like a little purse kind of thing. So I always have it on me. It's like a purse strap. Yes. Yeah. Purse strap. It's called a bandolier. It's amazing. And I love it. But on the other hand, I literally always have my phone on me. And so I have to remind myself to put it down and then you can kind of be in a moment. And then that also helps you figure out what you enjoy, what you want to do, where you want to spend your time. Because you're not worrying so much about preserving it or telling the story or sharing it with someone else. You're just sharing it with the people who you're with. And that's exactly where I wanted to head to is the idea of, I think the idea of hustle, get the negatives. But I also think when we've talked about pivoting or like keeping one foot outside of your kids, when we've talked about this writ large on the podcast, I think that always keeping an eye towards what your passion is, what you're interested in is something that as an older person now, that's one thing I would have advised my younger self is that keep busy with stuff that interests you. And I've sort of reached a phase of my life where I have too many things that are kind of going well because I figured out about 10 years ago, like, let me keep a bunch of things going that are interesting to me. But that leaning towards keeping a passion alive that is interesting to you with some eye to like, how will this take me through the next phase of my life is a good thing. And that I don't want to confuse that with the hustle, you know, that like always having a hum of like, huh, I do like baking. And so maybe someday when the kids are gone, like this will become a thing that we're not against that. Because I do think that those like little passion hums, if you can you know, gently feed them through the time when your kids are little, they can really pay off for you later in life. For sure. And I think it's important to remember there's no like ranking of most important hobbies you should do or best ways to spend one's free time. And I feel it profoundly this time of year when people are sharing their 137 books they read in 2022, or they're sharing their, you know, three books they managed to write during the pandemic while I took my manuscript and just scrapped it because I was completely 
out of my head and couldn't write anything. You know, I think there's like this level setting we need to do that it's okay to just enjoy what you enjoy. It's not all competitive. And you're not like dumb because you don't read as many books. You're not lesser than someone who reads Jonathan Franzen all the time for fun and can quote page 72 on demand. If you like watching TV, if you like listening to music, if you like taking baths, if you like going to the gym, if you like having coffee with friends, if you like baking, whatever it is, I think we need to get out of this mindset that I should be doing more. I should be doing something more important with my time. I wasted my night. Wow, I had a whole Sunday and I didn't do anything. I feel bad. And I think that's what I want to get rid of. I've spent years speaking to mom groups and writing about mom guilt. And I just think we got to find a way to get out of this cycle so that we don't feel like everything is a hustle. Everything is being measured. Everything is a measure of our worth, our intelligence, our value in the world as parents, as women, as humans. Like, I think sometimes we just got to live. I think that's right. And I love that you say moms forget to put themselves first as if you're not doing something productive for someone else, you're wasting your time. And that seems to be the key. Yes. It's very good and helpful to let your brain reset. Like as a writer, and I have a full-time job as well in advertising, you have to let your brain stop so that it can process and do the work behind the scenes that it's supposed to do. And you ever like have a problem and you set it aside and you go to sleep and you wake up with a solution, like your brain is still working. You have to give yourself breaks so that you can function better as a parent, as an employee, as a partner, a spouse, whatever you are in life. And I think that maybe we need to reframe the conversation from like me reading a book, me binging the, we always call it the Dragon Lady show because I can never remember the Game of Thrones part two. <laughs> maybe that is productive. Maybe that is helpful and valuable in some way because it lets you reset. And uh, we just have to give ourselves a break as moms. And it is what it is. It's watching TV. And it's also, it's going to the gym. It's not, my body will look like Jennifer Lopez's. It's taking your kids for a walk. It's not, this will give me a great picture for Facebook. I think letting things be what they are and divorcing it from what it will manifest is key to it as well. And it's not to say that's easy. I think that's a lifelong process. So hard. Yes, we're on the journey, people. We're not doing it. But I think if we become aware of it, we can get better. It's a practice. I love that. Agree. I loved this conversation. Liz, tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can get your free for now Substack. people. You heard it here first. Get it now. Get it now while it's, while it's free. So I have very consistent branding. I'm at mom101 pretty much everywhere. I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm on post.news. That's my newest, most favoritist. I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook that much as Mom101. The Cool Mom Picks account is at Cool Mom Picks on all of your favorite uh, social media of choice. And um, my newest Substack is called I'm Walking Here. You can find it at Substack.com or lgumbiner.substack.com. And again, it is free. It is delightful. We're starting to grow a really nice community. And it's just fun to write for the sake of writing again. Awesome. We will link to all of those places in our show notes. And Liz, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Margaret. I'm so glad we finally did this. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? 
My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.